On tonight's Hillbilly Nerd Talk, the joy of reaction videos, Hank's dad, coal miner's daughter, Trump's arrest, and Stormy Daniels. Welcome to Hillbilly Nerd Talk. I'm Hank. And I'm Petra. And Petra, it's been a little while as usual, but that's how life goes sometimes. Life got in the way, so we have the Life Update Show. Well, somewhat. Yeah, yeah. There's just, there was a lot going on lately in our lives, so. Yeah, well, you know, we'll have a conversation every so often and we'll record it and go from there. Yes, absolutely. So, uh... I've been watching these reaction videos. I think they're kind of an interesting thing. That's something I've found. It's kind of a recent discovery. I think we both what do you think about separately those? stumbled upon them at similar times. Or, like, I think you started watching uh, reaction videos for Pink Floyd about the time I started watching reaction videos for country music. <laughs> And we stumbled upon some of the same YouTubers. It is kind of interesting. Yeah. I mean, it does stir emotions of like the first time you heard something. That's, yes. that's what I think the allure is, right? Or when you heard it riding in the car that time. You know, it it stirs emotion and brings up memories in a strange way. Right. Yeah. For somebody else to... And then there's the whole positive affirmation of somebody liking something that you like because they're all going to say something at least halfway positive they're not going to shit all over it i haven't found a negative reaction video yet but i think it would be fun to find one yeah i suppose i mean there are some classic rock songs and things that even though they're classic rocks and people freaking hate them that's true it's always going to be some of that, right? Yes, absolutely. But it is pretty darn cool, though, to see somebody, like, multiple people react to, like, Pink Floyd time. And supposedly yeah. it's the first time hearing it. I'm just going to assume that they're not lying. And people, uh, like, literally crying. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. people listening to the Beatles. Um, oh, Mother Mary Comes to Me, whatever that song is. Maybe that's the name of it. Mm, I don't know if that's... I don't know. Let it name. be. Let it be. People like crying. Listen to that for the first time. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I enjoy the ones where they they watch a, a video with the lyrics and you know, pause it and talk about what the song means. I think those are the most enjoyable reaction videos for me. And I think they have to because YouTube makes them pause it ever so often uh, so they don't get copyrighted yeah, or something for makes, the music. You yeah, and that music. makes oh. Right, and that makes sense. Um, so they're fun. They're a fun trip to... It's, it's, it's a trip down memory lane. It's something to check out for sure. Yeah, yeah. If y'all haven't tried it, we can spend a whole evening watching those goofy videos sometimes. I, I do. And it's a great way to rewatch your classic rock songs. Yeah. On, yeah. Uh, on YouTube. Like, you know, hearing the song anyway, you might as well hear somebody talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. Now they're going to pause it, like you said, a few times, but I don't know. It seems pretty entertaining. I really, I think it depends on, at this point, this has been a genre on YouTube long enough so that the videos that you get recommended are the fun people to watch. 
they have intelligent conversations about it and they really enjoy it. Right. So it's an all around good experience that we stumbled upon and want to share. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good stuff. What else has been going on, Petra? Well, I guess the big thing that happened recently is that you lost your dad. Mm, yes, my dad passed away. 91, lived a long life, born in the 30s. Quite the life, actually. He had an amazing life. He had an amazing hillbilly life. And, you know, part of the hillbilly stuff, um, well, I mean, there was the general stuff, like, you know, property and normal stuff, too. But he specifically put in his will for me to have... Like his thirty thirty rifle and a couple of pistols. <laughs> <laughs> Your inheritance was Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, his safe deposit box had some general stuff you'd have. But then he also had a, a ring in there from the late 40s that I knew nothing about. He showed it to me once but didn't elaborate in the least bit of what it was. I thought maybe it was made of gold or something. Like, why would you put something in a safe deposit box without telling somebody if it did mean something? Yeah. What is this? But he didn't say anything about it. And now that I've, I've, I looked it up and figured out what it was, it's like a giant ring, the size of a class ring. And it's not gold or anything like that. Just, you know, um, we're about to see somebody get hit. Oh, yeah. We're getting a fight out there. Hit him. Awesome. <laughs> um, anyway, it's not made of any kind of precious, precious metals or anything, but it is a Mexican biker gang ring from the late 40s. <laughs> what in the fuck was that about? I must Where be a story to it. that? Well, like, was, I would love to know the story of that. I know. He was stationed in Roswell, New Mexico um, when he was in the Air Force in the 40s and early 50s. So I assume he got it from that area at that time. But who knows? I mean, it could have been over a poker game or how he could have found it somewhere. I mean, obviously he wasn't in a Mexican biker gang. This is a white hillbilly from Kentucky. So yep, but who knows? <laughs> we need to take it to a psychic that could read it. Yeah, there we go. That's what we need. Maybe yeah. they'd be able to help shed some light on us <laughs> on the subject. But you know, it's it is kind of a process, an interesting process. Not that anybody wants to go through it. Everybody knows the emotional side of somebody dying. Of course, that's different. But I mean, like the logistics of this thing. Yeah. Did you know that when you went to the funeral home that they're the ones that call Social Security to get your Social Security check stopped? I did example? not know that. I didn't know that. That's what. That's one of the things the funeral does. That's why people are still living with grandma eight years after she passed mm-hmm. away and they're still cashing her check. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess. So that's something funeral homes do. And then the other thing a funeral home does is arrange for whatever state you live in. In our state of Kentucky, it's the Department of Vital Statistics, and they issue you death certificates, multiple. Like, you have to Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. say how many you want. And they're each individually numbered, too, by the way. I noticed that. Oh, are they? Didn't notice that? Yeah. Yeah. Each one has an identifier. So, I don't know. That's kind of interesting in a way. I didn't... I guess I kind of knew there was a death certificate, but... 
Isn't it kind of ironic you have a birth certificate and then you die, you got a death certificate? <laughs> like the government like almost gives you like a going away, you know, you're born, here's your certificate and oh yeah, here's one more yeah. since you're dead. Have it an, is, it is have another certificate. weird. It is. And it's a very nice certificate too, by the way. It is. Uh, it is almost like I mean to hang on your wall like a diploma. It does. It looks like something you could. So, but... The thing is, you need those, and you order them from the funeral home, and you should order 10 or 20 of them because you're going to need those to take to every bank account that the dead person had, mm-hmm. and um, just various entities are going to want that. Yeah, yeah. You have to prove. Mm-hmm. got to prove they're dead. Yeah. Here's a certificate. He's dead. It is a strange weird time in life it's almost like a adult rite of passage you know that's 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 a good way to put it it's funny you say it that way i i'm 53 years old and absolutely i've felt more like an adult through this than probably anything in the last 20 30 years maybe i probably felt like an adult like the first time he had a real job yeah. When you graduated college, maybe there was a feeling of that, but I, I'd either forgotten it or, but I definitely had that feeling of like, because I'm the um, executor of dad's will. Yeah. And in my family, I don't know about people listening or in your family, but when you were growing up, like people passed away, like I would hear my uncles and relatives talking about things. Like death certificates and just little grumblings in the in the background, but I knew they were taking care of it. Like I knew yes. there were, I knew there were things going on, and I knew that adults were taking care of that. Like even funeral stuff. Yes. And yes, and you, it just magically happens behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And when you're a kid, you show up for it. Right. So I don't know. It feels oddly adultish. What do you think? You've got to speak. It's a mixed bag for me. I was thinking about it before I spoke. Yeah. <laughs> it. I, I was trying to think. My experience, I wasn't thrown into it head first. I think I had a little bit of experience with it with some grandparent deaths. So. But did you have to do all the stuff? No. But I had to do things like pick out clothes and okay. Well, so something. there there were some things that I did behind the scenes that introduced me to that. It wasn't until I lost my dad that like I sat and planned a funeral. That that's the bucket of cold water. Well, as we're recording this, it's uh, 2023, and uh, the cost for my dad's funeral was like. Right at $9,000. I think that's amazingly inexpensive. I didn't think it was that much, all things considered. I mean, I'm talking that's the casket, the burial. I mean, that is every single thing turnkey job was $9,000. Like, I know some people, surely, their coffin costs $9,000. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that. Like, you got a great deal on that funeral. And it was a beautiful coffin. It was was. gorgeous. Yeah. There's no difference in it. But now, because my mother is insane, 
I'm pretty sure on top of the prepay arrangements that they made, it was probably another, I want to say 18000 when they buried dad. Yeah. Good God. Stuff. What do you think the what? final cost was? I have no idea. Twenty five, thirty thousand. Um, Holy shit! Uh, thirty or forty. I'm sure. Holy crap! I'm sure. Yeah. Um. But it's in um a big fancy graveyard up on a hill. Well, there's that. If it's a public cemetery, then yeah. you've got to buy that plot. That's true. Yeah. This was in a private owned cemetery. Hmm. Which we bring this up all the time, or I, I brought it up, bring it up as a trivia thing. You know the difference between a graveyard and a cemetery? A graveyard is attached to the church. It's got to be on church property. Okay. Because <laughs> it's a yard. You got to mow it. Oh, that makes sense. It's like then. it's your yard. Ah, uh, the graveyard. The graveyard. Okay, now I'll always remember it. I... I remembered it because you pulled it on me one time and made me feel dumb. Well, I don't mean to make you feel dumb, but that's just, uh, I don't know. It's kind of interesting, I think. Yeah. So yeah. we have a family cemetery where we're, we're, my mom and dad are buried and all that. So that did make it cheaper, I suppose. Uh, yeah. That it did. had to. Yeah, that did. And I just, mom just did excessive stuff. And um, it was in the church and the funeral home came and set all that up. And I'm sure... It was a big. Right. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting rite of passage. That's all about that in particular. I mean, the other oddities of it are dealing with your family and things like that that are have nothing to do with the funeral. And there's always that. There's just always yeah. That. You had a lot of sister stress. <clears throat> there's always going to be some of that of, yeah. of any family because nobody's going to agree and it's a stressful time. So there's that. The other thing, though. You know, I'm feeling guilty in a weird way for having life so easy. Like, as I go through dad's stuff and you find old stuff, and he was very tight-lipped about most things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's something to be said about that. Nothing wrong with that. But it would have been nice to have known a little bit more from his youth than he... The stories... Yeah. Yeah. Some stories. Like I know some, but going through some of these things, like I found a thing, a, a box with a bunch of old letters that he wrote while he was in the military from like 1949 to 1953. Wow. And they were more telling than anything he ever told me. Yeah. You know, yeah. about girlfriend, girls he was seeing at the time and where he was sending money back and forth. I kind of pieced together from these letters that he was sending his paycheck from the military back home or else it just went home and his mom and dad cashed the check and they used that money to feed the family and then mailed him back whatever was left. That's, that's harsh. That's harsh. That's a different life than we experienced. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, so yeah, I'm feeling like a I'm feeling a weird amount of guilt for having life so easy because his life started off so damn hard. I mean, this is a fella who just to start off, I want to tell my dad's whole life story, but he is born in Eastern Kentucky in the 30s. So by the time he was 14, that would have been the mid 40s. 
So that's still World War II stuff. Yeah. Is going on. Yeah. And he can clearly remember some of that. I remember that. Yeah. But at age 14, at age 14, now wrap mm-hmm. your head around this, listeners or anybody, his family was so poor and his mom had my dad and six other children that he had to go work in a damn coal mine at age 14. Yeah. Drop out of high school, go to work in a coal mine with his dad. And they got blown up in a gigantic mine explosion that killed multiple people. He's unbelievably lucky to even survived it. His face was full of shrapnel from coal um, that was in his face and his whole life. And he suffered permanent hearing loss instantly. Yeah. Yeah. I I remember the the coal in his face. So, I mean, that's how's that for starting off life? That's insanity. And yeah, he, and, the, and, and he gave you and your sister mm-hmm. a much, much oh. better life. He showed his love by he, giving you a better life than he had. That is absolutely the truth. That's absolutely yeah. the truth. He had trouble expressing it. He had his issues, but God bless who the hell wouldn't going through that shit. Yeah, I mean that's that's PTSD times a million. Yeah, yeah. So because of that mine explosion, he went. He his parents then enrolled him back in high school, and he graduated high school, and then he went to the Air Force, and then other things from there. Mm-hmm. But we're talking somebody that was in the Air Force. That mine explosion. Um, he was a teacher. He was a librarian. He was a. Um, what we'd call today like a graphic design, but, mm-hmm. um, oh, you know, so architecture type stuff. Mm-hmm. People, yeah. had, the people do technical drawings for that stuff by hand, by the way, back in the day. We're not talking with a damn CAD program. We're yeah. talking hand yeah. drawing technical blueprints. Mm-hmm. Like you could do that. Anyway, and then worked for the state as a social worker for 20, 30 years, retired from that, blah, blah, blah. He was a good dude. Yeah. But the point is, I feel super guilty in a weird way (laughs) that I never had to go through any of that shit. And I feel guilty because I didn't appreciate it as much as I should have growing up. But I just didn't know all this stuff. He didn't talk about it. He He probably couldn't talk about it. He didn't talk about it then. He didn't talk about it. Much until not even recently. I mean, he yeah. never talked about it. Yeah, you had to read it in letters. Yeah, and piece it all together. Like, yeah. okay, this happened at age fourteen, and finding these documents through—it's odd, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it is. But you're never mm. going to forget this time. The like and the, no. the what you learn, and it is an adult rite of passage, one that sucks. And, you know, if you don't like your parents or you don't want to go through this, there's, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, but if you do like your parents, it wouldn't be a bad time to ask them some questions. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> it's also, don't you think, too, reading some of these things, it's very humanizing. Like, Dad had me when he was 40. Yeah. So, to me, he's always been an older guy. Like, I never thought of him as a young man until reading some of these letters and some of this stuff. Yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Well, I I'd never thought about that, about it that way. I knew you were a later life baby, but I didn't realize 
what a significant difference that would make. Right. Because my my parents had me when they were like 21 and 22. They were children. So you can remember them being young. Oh, yeah. Right. See, yeah. yeah. So I had no concept of that. I guess, you know, it's just interesting, I guess, to just reflect on it that, you know, in his age, even though it was, well, if he was born in 32, so we're talking, you know, in 52, he was 20. That's when he was in the Air Force. Um, they're just like 20 year olds today. Yeah. Just thinking about girls and drinking and partying and, you know, in their own way back then, but yeah. it was still the same mind of a 20 year old. Yes. Right. <laughs> they're still immature and dumb, just like <laughs> we were, and, you know, um, but you know, he, he went so far. That was a kid that got blown up in a mine explosion at age 14. You know, bad enough to permanently scar him. And he went on to do all of those amazing mm-hmm. things. And it's huge for a hillbilly to get outside of Appalachia. We don't like it. Some college. I mean, yeah. the dude the dude did a lot of stuff. And I don't know. Maybe it explains a little bit about, I mean, there to, when he got his job with the state of just moving back to eastern Kentucky, he found he bought a piece of land and just never left. I mean, that land that he lived on his entire adult life, let's just say from age 24 till he died at 90. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was absolutely his little kingdom yes it was and he was happy there extremely happy (laughs) right it was his kingdom had his garden he knew all the neighbors had every i mean you could hunt fish whatever you wanted to do on that property yes pretty much yeah it Mm. was his it was his right so it's 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 interesting Made you think about your situation too, right? It did. It made it hard for me. Uh, And I'm still kind of churning over and ruminating on it. I hate to do that. But um, it's been over a year since I've been in contact with my mother. And I I reached out on my birthday and didn't hear from her. No, I didn't reach out on my birthday. It was my 50th birthday. She didn't reach out to me. Right. I reached out on Christmas and didn't hear anything back. And I'm trying to figure out what I get out of this relationship. Mm -hmm. And there's not a lot of positive in it, except, well, I don't feel as guilty for not talking to her. Um. You know, for every story like my dad's of somebody who pulls themselves up by their bootstraps or, you know, somehow this going through this being incredibly poor in awful situations, mm-hmm. somehow, not that you're not damaged, but you still come through it overall somehow better. Overall. Yes. There's for every one of those. How many people are there maybe like your mom that it just breaks them? I don't know. I, I think it's almost 
or yeah, maybe, or maybe even slanted further because I think 50-50 is a that's what I would throw out as a ballpark just first instinct 50-50 it's either going to break you totally or make you a better person somehow and I don't know that we all have control over that I think there are different circumstances I there's I even, had phenomenal grandparents that gave me some sense of stability so that I could chart a course out of hell is the way I think of it. There's even genetics have a part yeah, of, it, of how yeah. how a person's going to process that stuff. Right? I don't yeah, know. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if your mom's going to be be. I don't know, fixable is the wrong word, but if she's going to be able to, I mean, come on. I mean, just, just the, the, the whole crux of it, adult people in their sixties shouldn't be throwing books at their daughter and hitting them in the head with books. No. Like that's ridiculous. That's the dumbest thing ever. For people that don't know. Yeah. You don't have to go into the whole history, but (laughs) bottom line is, you know, Petra's mom is kind of a, well, she's kind of damaged from all that, apparently. Well, she, all right, run it down real quick. Her mother killed herself when my mom was four. Uh, see, I even forget about that kind of stuff. So her mother committed suicide when mom was four. And there was, and it was. It, and that'd be enough even in modern times. Yes. I mean, let's just, that would be enough right there in modern times, a lot to overcome. Yes, it would be. It would be. But it gets so much worse. Then she, um, and I, I think the series of events is she was starting to get sick about the time of the funeral. And her uncle, which was her mom's brother, pretty much insisted on taking her home. Yeah. And she immediately came down very ill. It was polio. And they had to take her like two and a half hours away to a hospital to put her into an iron lung right after she lost her mother. So that child had abandonment issues like you can't believe. I mean, she has borderline personality disorder. And I have so much sympathy for her because I can clearly see why. And if she had gotten some help when she was younger. But there was no help. There was no help. There was no help. We were talking rural Appalachia. Right. But you know what? She also grew up in the, you know, the 70s. I was born in 1972 and she was 22 at the time. And there was psychology and self-help and things like that. There were articles that my grandmother had better home, better homes and gardens and good housekeeping. Every issue, and she kept them for decades. They had articles on how to raise children. And they didn't do that. They raised us in a, a faith-healing cult that... You know, was spare the rod, spoil the child. So, I mean, they made a choice. They made a choice. You know, everybody deals with that stuff differently. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they just do. You told me, and you're, I mean, they do the best they can, I guess. And sometimes that's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's inadequate. Yeah, inadequate, that's the way I. It is. That's the way I think about it with with mom. Uh, and I had to. God, first I had to grieve the loss of dad. I had never been able to grieve that. I just had to take care of mom. So first I had to grieve the loss of of dad, and that was at the same time pretty much that I grieved Chairman Meow. Then. Then I had to grieve the loss of mom because I didn't have her in my life anymore. And then there was like fantasy mom. And then there was myself who I could have been if I hadn't been raised like that. So it was a really emotional ways to come. (laughs) Well, it it brings up a lot of stuff. And, uh, you know, even like now, another book I'm reading of all things, Coal Miner's Daughter. I know, yeah. I know. People have seen the movie. I know it's a classic movie. It's won a million awards back in the day. But already, just from the first 10 or 20 pages of this book, it's a million times more in-depth than the movie, of course. Yeah. And she's from the same area I grew up in, very close. And I was looking up her age. She died last year. She, oh, they, she yeah. was born the same year my dad was. I mean, they were oh. exactly the same age. So everything she's saying in this book of being of where she was and how her life was as a child is exactly like my dad's was. Oh, exactly. Wow. Yeah. Exactly. Except my dad was blown up in the mines. Her, she was raised in a coal mining camp. Yeah. And just the just twenty pages into this book, you find out she only had a fourth grade education. Yeah, she was uh, married at age thirteen. By age eighteen, had four kids. Like, like instantly, it's just like that is Eastern Kentucky. I mean, that's just how it was back then. Yeah, she said in her book, she literally didn't know how you got pregnant. Had no idea. Had no idea. That's heartbreaking. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just the whole, you know, already in this book about the about the hollers and where she lived and how um, people around her um, lived their whole life only going to the nearest town to them, which was Paintsville, about 10 miles away. Never in their life going anywhere further than 10 miles away from their home. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. Like, that's what I mean about taking this for granted about I just in a weird way I was doing it I was feeling it anyway and now this book's really bringing it I feel guilty for having it so damn easy even where we're at right now we are mm-hmm. podcasting for God's sakes we're talking into these damn microphones hooked up to a computer hooked up to a computer yeah. that's going to go all over the entire damn world we're spoiled we and, are spoiled and my dad grew up in a time where that like you were scrounging to live. Yeah. There was no government aid back then. There was no welfare. There was no social security. There was nothing. You, you It was poverty, you, poverty. You figured it out from your neighbors or from whatever. And in that book, one more thing, this is in the first 20 pages. She said, this Laura Lynn says that when she went to, when she went to Paintsville for a doctor's appointment, when she was like 13, no, it was before she was right when she was getting married, went to Paintsville for a doctor's appointment or something. That was the first time she ever used a toilet that was running water. And she sat down on it and it flushed automatically. And she thought she was going to get sucked in it. <laughs> and she said, I was so scared that I jumped up and I held my pee until I got back home and went to my outhouse. 
I could totally understand that. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. These little yeah. things that we take for granted. Yeah. The smallest detail. Oh, my gosh. Bless her heart. That's crazy. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I never thought about that. But if you went somewhere and... You know, I remember the stories about our, my grandparents mm. getting, you know, running water, finally getting you know, a real bathroom and, and a toilet and a sink and things like that. I remember those stories in my family. Yeah. But I never heard stories like about going somewhere and finding those things. So that's cool. It is. It's going to be yeah. an interesting book. It is. Now it that, is. Now it's that... going to be emotional for you. Mm-hmm. Which I know it anyway, but I mean, but she's the ultimate story of that area, obviously yeah. making you or breaking you. I mean, yes. it obviously made her tough as nails, grew up and became Laura Lynn. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, but my Lord, nobody wants to have to go through that. No, no. It just reinforces though. We are absolutely, it's probably for the good. But we are absolutely a society, a society of absolute spoiled pussies. I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> we are just all, me too, I'm including myself. I know, I'd be just, mad just, if you didn't. Just so weak and not tough. I mean, as tough as I feel like I am, I am a minuscule one hundredth as tough as my dad or Loretta Lynn or my mom or anybody that lived at that time, right? I mean, those people did, I mean, they literally had to fight to get enough food to live kind of situations. Yes, yes. But you are the genetic ancestor of that toughness, and I have no doubt mm. that if you were forced You'd be tough as nails, too. I'd like to think our hillbilly DNA would kick in. We're cockroaches. You can't stomp us out. I don't know. It's a. Uh, it's good. I'm glad our society's progressed to where that's not. I mean, if you're. I mean, if you're that poor and destitute now, let's face it. We've. You're homeless. It's almost a choice. Except for I get it. There's a mental mm-hmm. ill part, but if you're not mentally ill. And you're homeless. It's kind of your own fault at some point. Shit, you know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it. I mean, you can always go again, unless you're mentally handicapped or mentally ill. Wherever state you live in, there's a there's an office somewhere in your town where they you can go and you will get a card where they give you food, and yeah. you, and they will give and some agency through the state or the federal government that will give you a little bit of money every month. Yes, something. I'm not yes. saying you're going to be rich, but you're not going to starve. And if you will follow the rules, there's housing. Yes. I think uh, I think that's the, the, if you will follow the rules. Right. That's the magic phrase. Right. So there's, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. That's what I'm I, saying. I, we have a society that there is a safety net now. There was not one back then. No. Well, I'm saying we can agree, we can definitely definitely agree upon that. I don't know if I agree that it, it homeless choice. I don't, I don't I don't know statistics. 
I know, and I'm sure there's people screaming in the microphone or in there right now, like, it's not a choice. These people have no choice. They're just, some do, some don't. I know, I'm playing with broad strokes here, but, yeah, I don't yeah. know. If you get it, if you get addicted, if you're an average intelligent person and you get addicted to drugs and you end up on the streets, I'm sorry. I don't know. You, it was you, a serious. I feel like you have some blame to take. I don't know how much, but some of it's your fault. Come on. You got a look. series of choices. Yeah. You made in some, the wrong direction. Maybe. Yeah. That, that, and maybe you had shitty parents. And then that's why I programmed you to make these bad choices. I get all that. But at the end of the day, somehow you're making some of these shitty choices. We can agree on that for sure. Definitely. Speaking of shitty choices, how about this one? Donald Trump is getting fucking arrested tomorrow. What the hell? How is this helping anything? I don't know how it's helping anything, but it's uh, it's history. It is like, history. Like once in a while, I'm like, you know, I wish something would happen, like just mind-blowing history while we're alive. And hell, this is it. This <laughs> might be it. I mean, it's certainly the first time in history. Yes. I saw true. an obscure article yesterday. I didn't read the whole thing, but I skimmed it. It was something like Teddy Roosevelt. Who I don't even remember. I'll butcher the whole thing. <laughs> but it was somebody in time in back in the day when you rode horse and buggy, and that president got a ticket and was maybe quote arrested or got a ticket something for riding his damn horse too fast in front of the White House or something. Oh, that's and that funny. Po- and that police officer stuck to his gun and said, you know, well, sir, you'd, you're the president, but you'd want me to do my job, wouldn't you? So, you know, so he either arrested him or gave him a ticket or something. Yeah. Where, like that was the last thing where a former president or a president sitting or something was like arrested or that there was an incident with running against, you know, that you yeah. were being, that you broke the law in somehow like that. Okay, so that was speeding. Anyway. And this is hush money to a porn star. How much more cliche could it be, really? I mean, there's that, too. Like, this is right off of House of Cards. Like, a porn star. And I don't have anything against porn. I'm not talking. I'm in no way shaming Stormy Daniels. No, I'm not just at saying. All. The script and the script and story writes itself. It does. It does. It's just. It sounds made up. It's so cliche. Yeah, it does. It sounds. It. <sighs> In a sane world, all of the evangelicals would lose their ever-loving minds over this. They would foam at the mouth and damn him to the ninth pit of hell. But no, they're calling him their savior. That's awful. I don't know how many religious people are doing that. Do you Do you think a lot? I think enough. I, he's in the lead for um, presidential candidate on the Republican side right now. That's insane already. By, like, more than 10 points. More than 10 points. And he's being arrested for paying off a porn star. It, it just... 
It's a crazy world. He's going to have, he's flying, today's the day before. Today is Monday, uh, April 3rd. Third, Tomorrow, yeah. he will be in court, has to go to the courthouse in New York City. So he's flying from Florida to New York now, I guess. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think and I think he's landed. Yeah. And he will be in that courthouse, just like me or you, if we were charged with some crime. They're going to fingerprint him. There's some debate of whether there'll be a mugshot or not. Yeah. I've heard sources say there will be. Some say there will not be. But whatever. He's going to be fingerprinted, then led through some corridors with his own secret service uh-huh. around. And he's going to end up through these corridors into a courtroom. And in that courtroom, he's going to be charged. And he will have to plead guilty or not guilty, which he uh-huh. says he's going to say not guilty. And then they're going to levy like, okay, well, here's the 34 charges against you. And there are 34 of them, by the way. Holy cow. Do we? 34. Yeah. They haven't been unsealed, so nobody knows what they are. But 34 fucking counts of something. Okay, so it's just the tip of the iceberg that we know about yet. Oh, this is a big day tomorrow. My stomach just went boom. Yeah. 34. I think that's what I heard. Well, I know in the state of New York over the years that um, the more liberal news that I listen to on YouTube has talked about a whole lot of financial crimes that. And I know know, the the other counter side uh, that, you know, some of my friends that still like him or not even like him, but a minor defense like well everybody does that well every politician gets pay, every politician pays hush money everybody does that well whatever they don't all get caught one no and two you know the more i think about it like this was a bigger deal than people are like well who wants a big deal it's hush money here's a prostitute everybody does that but she was going to break this story apparently like a week before the election uh-huh like that does make it a big deal it like that's, does. Not, that's not just your average prostitute on the campaign trail. That's somebody that was going to go public the week before all this. So I don't know. To me, that does elevate it a little more. And, you know, it was days before the election that they opened up an investigation into Hillary Clinton and like or the email thing. It was the email thing. Whatever that was. Yeah. yeah I mean, that having... jackass totally threw the election as far as I'm concerned. Well, and that's another thing in this whole thing. We've talked about this. Yeah. Uh, as another just theme in general, like you shouldn't fuck with the Clintons. I'm yeah. telling you, the Clintons are old school fucking gangsters. They are that guy from House of Cards. Yeah. Yeah. They, I agree. they are Frank Underwood. Bill Clinton yeah. is Frank Underwood. I wouldn't doubt if that's actually who that whole damn thing's parodied after or patterned after, although they would never say it. No. Uh, but he's a Southern politician. It's very much, hell, now that we're saying it, even his wife, Claire, that's Hillary. <laughs> yeah. President. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I, that's always who I assumed it was. So. Anyway, I mean, don't you, th- we no matter what your politics are, at some point, I think throughout all of history, when you are such a jerk to everybody, I mean, you'll have a few of your 
home base that just love you. But sooner or later, people kind of come around. People don't like people who are just so boastful and so arrogant all the time. They just don't. And I think that's where Trump really is screwed up more than anything. With like, you know, you can go so far, but once you alienate everybody on both sides, mm-hmm. Republicans mm-hmm. and Democrats and then name calling. And it's one thing to, to, you know, he changed things for the absolute worse. It was maybe getting bad at some point, but he took it, I think, to another level of like, okay, well, now the election's over. You know, I'll shake Hillary's hand and tell her she did a good job. No. Uh-uh. Oh, I mean, to the bitter end, just an asshole to everybody. Not being a gracious winner, not being a gracious loser. Just, never, never. I mean, he, I mean, he has just taken this whole political bullshit to crazy levels because of his arrogance, I think. I, what do you think? I've always thought that. I always thought he was dangerous and a problem. And... <sighs> He's just, he didn't just sink to a new level. He went, he kept digging. Like he's dug new levels of shadiness and we're going to see 32 new counts of, of what tomorrow. And he's, he's made our culture and our country worse. Well, I don't think he's, I don't think he's tried to do it on purpose, but I think he has. Just me personally, just from that. Like, even if his policies were dead on exactly what mine are, uh-huh. even all this other of just being a jerk, asshole, yeah. arrogant, calling people names. I don't know. It just seems ridiculous. And we've had that. He's a buffoon. I, I just, yeah. I, I don't see how anybody can stomach that guy in the least bit and this is going to be it will be so interesting to see what the hell happens here yeah yeah i told you scenarios i was listening to some other show or me and some friends were just musing like there is this trial won't be for another year and a half yeah there is absolutely you cannot say that this is not a possibility of him winning the presidential election and then a year and a half from now be found guilty of this uh-huh. while he is president. And then if you are found guilty of this, because the way I understand it, he could basically plea bargain this mm-hmm. probably tomorrow or definitely very soon down to like a misdemeanor, pay a fine, admit you did something wrong. And it be gone, which is what any of us would do. Any sane person. That's what anybody else would do in any situation. He's but if fight it, it. But if he presses this <laughs> and it goes to trial and he is found guilty, then absolutely it could be some sort of jail time yeah. for a sitting president. And then this show I was watching, I don't remember what it was, they speculated that then Congress would step in and impeach him. Yeah. But they don't have to. And there's nothing in the Constitution that says that a per, that a felon, a person who's literally incarcerated in prison, cannot be president. What if that happened? What if there's some Can weird... Can we just move at that point? I don't... Like, it, it's just so... 
Can you sketchy. Imagine? No, I can't. I can't. Unbelievable. I, Hank, my world <laughs> fucking shifted on that election night. That morning, I woke up deeply depressed and pretty sure that the world that I used to believe in where somebody smarter than me had some bigger plan had ended. And now we've got this guy who's getting ready to go (laughs) before the court and there's no way he's going to be able to plead guilty to anything. I don't think he can. I think his narcissism is so all-consuming that he can't do it. And there will be people that will support him no matter what. And we've got crazy people in Congress, um, in, in the House and the Senate, that will support him no matter what. Because they're rude and crude and crass, just like him, and they get attention. Yeah, I guess. Ah. All that makes sense. Well, he was way more dangerous than I thought at first. I mean, I thought he would just be an asshole. You know, and I didn't think he would be this. I just didn't. And I don't think anybody else or very many people did either. You did. I, I have said that all. I recognized mental illness there. Well, you did, and you were right, and you were one of the, well, I don't know. There's a lot of people upset about him, too. Yeah, there was a whole, yeah. he's not my president. Like, I thought that was stupid. Like, you know, the guy won. He is your president. You can say that all you want to. But he is the damn president of the United States. That is a fact. Like, things like that just seem yeah. like crybaby-ish. And that didn't help any either, the, the counter cause. Yeah. It's like it's like his BS caused, like, a domino effect of other BS. Yeah. Like, people hate him so bad, they were like, he's not my president. And then every single damn Saturday night, they made fun of him on Saturday Night Live. And it just it just seemed like a bunch of crybabies. And that made it even worse. And that's really what I think solidified his base even more. Like, it, it, there wasn't a good reaction to him either. Instead of like, well, wait till the next four years, we'll get rid of this asshole. It was just, you know what I mean? He went into office trying to tear down as many protections for women and minorities as humanly possible it was a danger to us and that's why there was resistance and i've lost my right to an abortion mm. and a lot of of general health care so True. yes it was dangerous yes we were right um yes we're still struggling and god knows when we'll be able to fix the fuck-ups that he's made uh yeah that's all uh uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, you were right about. Like I said, you were absolutely right about uh, how dangerous he was. Um, and who knows how he may be president again? For all we know, that's a crazy thing. But surely to God, surely to God, whether you like him or not, surely DeSantos is going to beat him eventually. He may be ahead right now, but once the real campaign stuff starts, I mean, we're a year away. Surely. The Lord, he can defeat Trump, especially after all this. And Trump is also going to probably run, wait till they bring up charges in Georgia. 
for this yeah. election election stuff. fraud. Um, and then there was another one, something else. I forget. There's so many. Anyway, just telling you, shouldn't fuck with the Clintons. When you embar- when he embarrassed Hillary like that, again, I know a lot of people didn't like her mm-hmm. and whatever. But you know, when you de- when you when you have an opponent and you defeat them, to just keep rubbing their nose in it and just not let up at all. It, sooner or later, that karma, whatever it yeah. is, is something's going to come back and get you. But the Clintons, I'm telling you, like hell, people in that damn whitewater bullshit when they were in Arkansas, but when he was governor, people die around the Clintons. Like you, well, you keep bringing that up. I'm like, dude, you're going to get shot. You need to shut the hell up. Um, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. Uh, yeah, but, that's, um, I mean, that's halfway common knowledge. It is. Point. It is. And but he I'm going to be. I'm going to be blunt here. I'm rooting for the Grim Reaper um, in the uh, Republican um, uh, presidential primary there, and. I'm not so sure I'm not in the Democratic either. Who are I think you talking we need, about? I, I, I'm just hoping that Trump passes away before he can win another presidential election. He's getting up there. He He's a ginormous sack of lard. What do you think would happen if he got assassinated? Would people, oh, they'd lose their minds. They would absolutely be riots. Yeah, be, it would be. I, I don't bad, know right? if he could die of natural causes and there not be riots. Ah, oh, the conspiracy uh, theories. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable, right? Right. I don't. I mean, they are. That he is their messiah. I know. It's terrifying. They have put. I mean, that his group of core people that really love him. It. Without exaggeration, is cultish. Oh yeah, it, it, is, it is a religious fervor that and, they support. And they, if their dude dies, it would be bad for them. Yeah. Uh, they would psychologically lose it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure there wouldn't be violence in some places. I don't know where it would be where they would organize and take it out on somebody, but maybe right now the the DA in New York. I mean, he's getting threats and. Everybody is. Uh, I mean, you know, and again, whether you think this is right or wrong or made up or I mean, we'll see. It's why you have trials. Yeah. But I'll tell you one of the bravest people, period, that's ever been right now is Stormy Daniels. Yes. I mean, for her to stand there. I mean, you know, all these exactly what we're talking about, this base of Trump people. God almighty, they would kill her in a second if they could. That was the. If she walked around. Yeah, she has without protection, just randomly in some super Trump podunk place, she would be dead. Yeah. If they recognized her. Well, that was the case that was dismissed against Donald Trump. She claimed to have been approached by someone from Donald Trump threatening her in a parking lot in Las Vegas while she was with her child. And Donald Trump tweeted or claimed at uh, a rally somewhere that it was a con job. He called it a con job. Okay. And 
I think she called that libel or maybe slander. And the, the, the court like said it was free speech. So that was the case that was dismissed the first time. And her shady lawyer who he's in jail now. Yeah. She couldn't have picked a worse lawyer. No, but that's probably the lawyer she knew from the business. Well, I mean, he was an up and coming dude. I'm not saying I blame her, but I just mean, you know, we all make bad choices, but that dude was an awful choice. Well, now we'll see what's going to happen with this whole. It's it's a crazy time to be alive. It's a crazy time to be alive. It's almost like watching the news either stresses you out or you need to get popcorn and watch it like entertainment. Hunter S. Thompson would be absolutely if he is in his prime at this time would be it would be glorious to listen to watch him write about this because mm-hmm. he was so into Nixon and that's why I keep telling you like a lot of this up until now. We've kind of been here in a weird mm-hmm. way, kind of. I mean, Nixon did all this stuff. He had a fixer, just like Trump had Michael mm-hmm. Cohen. Uh, apparently, Nixon had a whole group of lawyers that were his fixers. He had political enemies that he absolutely just went after. Mm-hmm. He he was guilt. He was for sure accused of and probably guilty of. Um, he would sick the IRS on his political enemies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Um, but he got pardoned before all that shit could happen. <laughs> like he never. Yes, before like, he could get. Yeah. Yeah. Before he was actually charged with a crime and before he actually was going to go to, you know, to mm-hmm. uh, to actually have a trial. Yeah. He got. He, he said, OK, well, I'll quit if you pardon me <laughs> and you can be <laughs> you can be president. You just pardon me. And you be president, you pardon me, and we're all good. And Gerald Ford's like, fuck, yeah. I'm not going to be, be president. I'm not going to be president any other way. Sure. <laughs> and boom, Gerald Ford's president, and and he's, yeah, pardoned. Which, ah. in a weird, how about this for a dystopian future? What if by some, what if Biden pardoned Trump? Just for like saying it's in the best interest of the country, uh, you know we don't want to go through this, and he pardoned him, and somehow there was some back deal of like, okay, we'll pardon your ass, but you can never run for office again, or something. That would be kind of glorious, I think. It's possible. It's possible. It's, it's possible. And but this. The Nixon stuff was so long in the past. You know, yes, I've always heard of it. Watergate was school. We knew about it. We knew Mm -hmm. about it. But Trump feels personal to me as a woman. He's Mr. Grab him by the pussy. Yep. In a sane world, that would have been the end of his run for presidency. Instead, it became like this grossly stalking his opponent on mm-hmm. stage, lock her up, taking away women's rights. I mean, it's been just horribly direct. It's been like he loves to use the term witch hunt, but women have lost around him. And you're exactly right. Stormy Daniels is a hero. 
She's the bravest. She, I would, yeah. I'll put her yeah. as one of the bravest people ever to yes. do this. Yes. I mean, without exaggeration, she has absolutely put her life in jeopardy. Yes. And even, and for now, forever. I mean, her life is in jeopardy from now on. Yes. Yes. She needs to life. disappear, look very different, and go somewhere else as soon as she can. Um, I was going to say something with that. Oh, uh, well, the whole Nixon thing was just that to me, too. But mm-hmm. I'll tell you what helped with me reading all those Hunter S. Thompson things. That was when he was in his prime, and one of those books I have is like a whole collection of his articles that he wrote for Rolling Stone, which makes it a lot easier to read, too, by the way. Yeah. Because then you're just reading an article. Yeah. But like, And also, like, him on the campaign trail, and that was a whole book. But anyway... Yeah, I didn't know all the nuances of this stuff either yeah. with, with Nixon, but that dude was a ruthless, absolutely <gasps> ruthless gangster. He was like Donald Trump, except smart. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I really—that's well, that's I, where I'm afraid of DeSantis because he's like he is just as willing to be ugly. But he is like super cultish religious. Like women stay home and mm. make babies. Um, his his state's just ooh. Well, I guess yeah. We've never been totally through this because there's not been anybody quite like Donald Trump. But I'm just saying, like I've always said, up until tomorrow, we've kind of been there. But after tomorrow, we're not. Strange new worlds. It is crazy. <laughs> I'm a little nervous, Petra. I am too. I'm no. literally a little nervous about it. Ah. But anyway, so tell some people where we where they might find us. All right, you can find us at hillbillynerdtalk.com, uh, where Hank sometimes does stuff on Twitter, and sometimes I do. Well, I think I got blocked from Reddit, so just takes Twitter. <laughs> we'll talk to you next oh, no, time. Oh, hang on. I'm on Reddit, too, so I got Reddit. And oh. I do post some articles, like some, you know, if I see a Trump article or something, I'll post it on Twitter or do something. Nice. So that's a good place to find us, Twitter and Reddit, basically. And we'll talk to you next time, folks.